Okay, welcome back to Success Stories. My name's John Belton. It has been a while, but I finally got back on air with this guy who uh, most of you will know as the face of Coffee Angel. I know him as the guy who deadlifts triple body weight in the gym, always has a smile, and always has some great <laughs> business advice. So, uh, Carl Purdy, thank you so much for joining. Oh, it's a pleasure, John. Always a pleasure. Uh, obviously joining in funny times and it took a, a global pandemic for you to slow down enough for me to be able to catch you to have a chat um, <laughs> yeah okay and, you know, I'll, I'll take and, that on the I, chin exactly <laughs> well look it's just a compliment to your work ethic the thing yeah. thing about it is today that we, we want to still talk about what success means because uh so many people are out there at the moment panicking, struggling, uh, finding it hard to make ends meet, finding it hard to survive, dealing with fear, dealing with anxiety, dealing with kids that are and family members and staff and all that stuff. So um, as with everybody, I mean, you're going through that and I'm watching everything you're doing on LinkedIn and, and getting inspired by the efforts and the hard work you're putting in. Um, when we would have initially spoke a couple of months ago about doing something like this, so the question is always, what's your version of success? But I'm sure now... Success is a very interesting meaning. Uh, can, would you elaborate on that question now, or, or what does success mean to you in this current environment? Well, I, mean, I think for for most people now, certainly in in my business in hospitality and possibly like your own, I think just survival really it it it, it it's trite, but I mean surviving this is really <laughs> the the greatest success we can hope for. Um, you know, really that's that's the the short and long of it. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a yeah. It's definitely a time for pivoting, which is the phrase I saw you use uh, for adapting your model and coming up with an alternative or a better solution or a you know a, a kind of get you by solution as such. So, Carl, can you give us a quick brief on your background? Because you you know you speak openly about having a business that didn't do so well before, um, and clearly a lot of your lessons were learned from that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been I've been doing this for uh, well decades, really. Um, my first my first business uh, was in Belfast in the late '90s. I opened a, a coffee shop. Um, I suppose you can tell from my accent. I'm uh, I spent a long time in Canada, uh, having been born in Belfast and left at the height of the Troubles. My parents took us away when we were quite young. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I was uh, just old enough at the time that, that that I left Ireland that you know I realized I was leaving something behind. So uh, when I decided to return to Belfast in 1994, um, my friends and family none of them were surprised because I've been talking about it my entire life. So um, I studied photojournalism uh, as a student uh, and came back to Belfast to cover the first IRA ceasefire just as a as a um, freelancer. Hold on for a second. This is a whole new story. I thought you just ran coffee shops and fish. <laughs> you know that level of, you're gonna have, we're going to have to take that little chapter for a second and elaborate a bit more. Sure. Um, so what age were you when you left Belfast? Go, tell me again. I was six. Six. And do you remember the pre-six era, the, the Troubles? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty patchy as, you know, uh, a, a child's memory is, but, but certainly I remember, you know, we, w- w- I was born in West Belfast. So, um, you know, the, the normal, uh, at that time was, you know, troops on the streets, you know, I have vivid memories of troops racing through the, um, our house at night when I was in bed, um, 
you know, I mean, but at the same time, for a child, that's normal. You know, we still played in the streets. We still went to school. The Christian brothers still wrapped our knuckles uh, mm-hmm. if, we, if we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. But, but yeah, you know, I was old enough to have a sense that, um, you know, a sense of awareness. Okay. Wow. I did not know that. Um, so, you know, fear and running and, you know, survival is something that you were sort of brought up with maybe some on some level you were getting training for, for business. <laughs> possibly possibly i mean i i have a i have a, a funny story of uh obviously landing in in canada a place called calgary at the bottom of the rocky mountains and it was knee deep in snow for, for a six-year-old but um there were stories of the the teachers from my school i was this you know this little little kid with thick belfast accent um, and in Canada, North America, you see on the, on the TVs all the time, they have these, these traffic helicopters that, uh, would hover over the city and give, you know, hourly or, or you know, whatever, uh, traffic reports. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my parents, uh, have reminded me at the time that the, the teachers phoned home that every time that there was a traffic, uh, helicopter above the school, I would run. <laughs> <laughs> thinking it was the British troops, you know. Um, so uh, you know, I mean, it took me a few years probably to get over that, but but hey, you know, it's it's all part of the story. That's gas. Uh, yeah. So uh, Calgary is a p- pretty beautiful place to grow up, I would imagine. It is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I can't uh, fault my my parents' uh, desire to get us out of Belfast, and you know, in the mid seventies, um, and Calgary is certainly beautiful. Uh, you know, an idyllic upbringing. Uh, at the same time, I very much felt like a square peg in a round hole. You know, I just mm-hmm. didn't quite fit. You know, so uh, on paper, it doesn't make any sense that I would want to leave uh, Canada. Um, but you know, you can't Something change who you are or where your heart wants to take you. Yeah, and there was, I know, another piece to that puzzle. Obviously, once you came back to Ireland, which was how many years later? Uh, pretty much 20, nearly 20 years later. So, okay. I mean, I landed in Belfast at the end of 1994. Okay, well. Okay, so, I started into your own business, a fish shop. A fish shop? Sorry, your first shop. I thought you said a fish shop. <laughs> I was like, that's a whole new piece. No, no, no. But before my first shop. So, I mean, well, how that all happened was... Um, you know, I, I was uh, taking photographs, doing freelance work in, in Belfast. And uh, one 12th of July, I think it was probably 1995, I was on uh, the Ormo Bridge mm-hmm. uh, taking photographs of the Orange Parades. And um, some loyalist paramilitaries grabbed me and took me down an alley. It, it sounds much more dramatic than it was, but um, they basically scared the bejesus out of me. Um, and I think it was my Canadian accent that really caught me out of it. Just yeah. kind of wrong place at the wrong time. So um, after that, I kind of uh, put my cameras down and, and had to really think my life choices and my career choice. Um, so, uh, you know, I kind of thought, Jesus, my life is worth more than whatever I was getting paid at the time. Um, so I ended up going and uh, just going back to working in bars and restaurants uh, in Belfast in the, in the mid nineties, just as a way to, to pay my rent and, um, which is what I'd done all the way through, uh, college, high school, college, you know, all everybody works part-time jobs. And, uh, as a young 
uh, young man, uh, you know, I was out socializing and I, and I'd asked, uh, a beautiful girl out for, uh, coffee. Okay. And this was 1995 and she looked at me, she was from West Belfast as well. And she looked at me like I was not straight. There was something wrong with me. That just was completely <laughs> unheard of, you know, coffee didn't exist. And whereas I'd grown up with that, that, um, social aspect of, yeah. uh, you know, of, of being a kid. A yeah. That, um, it kind of, uh, set a light bulb off. So I found this tiny little location uh, close to the university in Belfast and uh, compiled this 50-page um, business report with demographics and SWOT analysis and, you know, footfall and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. I and uh, I had no money, so I borrowed uh, £10,000 from a friend of mine in who was, was, was in Canada, who'd done very well for himself in real estate. Mm -hmm. I put this £10,000 into my account. And I went to the bank manager at the time, was this kind of middle-aged middle woman from, you know, outside of Belfast in the country somewhere. Um, and I sat down with my 50-page business plan and, you know, my £10,000 in the bank and um, proceeded to go through my, my presentation full of enthusiasm uh, and passion and... Uh, she kind of looked at me at the end of it and she says, you want to open a coffee shop in Belfast? Um, I said, yeah, yeah, I have a great idea, you know, and I've got this money and all I need is another 10,000 and, you know, mm -hmm. I'll be good to go. So she said, listen, I have to think about this. Come back and see me tomorrow. So I went back the next day and she sat me down and she looked at me and she says, this is Belfast. We drink tea here. This is, <laughs> as, a, as a concept, I have absolutely no faith in this coffee shop idea, but I have right. faith in you. So... She said, I'll give you your 10,000 pounds. So uh, wow. I ran out the door and transferred the 10,000 pounds back to my friend immediately. And I had a little 10,000 pound pot to make my first coffee shop, which, uh, which I kind of built myself and mm -hmm. uh, didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, and uh, really through, I think, a bit of good luck, a bit of timing, uh, serendipity it was a runaway success it oh, wow. was packed from uh, we'd open from 8 a.m to midnight seven days a week and there was queues out the door to get in at night and you know it was just I think it was a whole lot of luck you know I, I worked hard you know I won't deny that but um, you and know, was I that think... was that a coffee angel no that was no no it was a little shop called the ground floor I mean it was uh, Can I say that again called the the, the ground floor grand floor okay super. yeah so it's uh unbeknownst to me i had opened ireland's first coffee shop or specialty coffee shop uh, so that's uh, how you effectively became the the leading yeah. power in, in coffee in ireland <laughs> i don't know about that but well, um everybody who everyone who talked you talked in the coffee industry recognizes you as the dawn of the coffee industry in ireland yeah coffee, coffee rush yeah. god so you, that was great foresight then um you know every second corner and, and in between now has a coffee shop, as you're well aware of what happened in the middle of that or what happened, what was the next step and the, the progression from there? Well, the next step was I met, uh, met a beautiful girl who is uh, now my wife, Caroline and business partner. Um, she, her, her uh, life story is kind of a similar trajectory. Um, she, uh, her mother is Irish. Her father is a Lebanese doctor uh, she was born in Beirut, 
And when the Israelis were bombing uh, Lebanon in the 80s, herself and her brother and sister were sent back to Ireland to live with her granny in Sligo. So I met her in Belfast um, and, uh, you know, a couple of years into the ground floor and living in Belfast. And we had a great life and business was really successful. July was still a struggle. Um, it's still a struggle to this day in, in the north, but uh, in the late 90s, it was it was still quite uh it's quite quite contentious and, and sure. really stressful. So for her, that was you know, whilst I'd spent uh, you know twenty years isolated safely in Canada, insulated from from the kind of horrors, yeah. uh, her she, experience was slightly different. Okay. So she'd asked if you know you know she wasn't really sure she wanted to stay in Belfast, and um, I happened to be out with uh, a friend of mine. He was an ex manager of the the coffee shop working for someone else who was looking to build a, a coffee shop chain. And I just happened to mention to him that I was considering selling up, uh, possibly moving somewhere. So uh, I got a phone call the next morning from his boss offering me at the time, which was a stupid amount of money for my little coffee shop. And uh, I spoke to Caroline. I said, I've had this offer. And what do you think? Um, and she says, great, great, and uh, let's do it. She goes, let's move to London. I said, no way. I'm from West Belfast. I'm not going to London. Um, <laughs> uh, I said, how about Cork? She's like, forget it. You know, I'm in marketing, international marketing, and there's no work in uh, Cork. Um, so we settled on Dublin. Okay. So um, that's kind of how I ended up in Dublin. And uh, I used to drive a, a very old Citroen uh, Day S. I don't know if you remember those long... French cars with the hydraulic yeah. suspensions, a long bonnet. And uh, we used to get that, or I used to get that car fixed uh, uh, on Vernon Avenue. There was a mechanic there who looked after Citroëns, one of the only guys in Ireland who would repair them. So uh, we ended up moving to Clontarf because it was the only part of Dublin that we knew. And, uh, and it subsequently stayed on the north side for since then till now. But, uh, but yeah, so I got to Dublin and I decided to uh, continue my business ventures. I was full of confidence and uh, energy and, um, you know, a fair bit of swagger. So I yep. opened up uh, a place that was meant to do coffee and wine um, and some lunches, uh, soup, sandwiches, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward. It was a place called Bond. Uh, but not knowing Dublin at all, I'd located it. Uh, it was a beautiful building uh, on uh, the bottom of Beresford Place and Gardner Street. I'm sure many people will know it and, and almost laugh at my choice. But at the time, it seemed like it was a beautiful, you know, Gandon Terrace you know, overlooking the Custom House and the Liffey. And mm -hmm. I thought it was amazing. So uh, I poured all of my money plus a considerable loan uh, into this uh, this new venture and we were right outside the IFSC. So we were, we were actually busy right away. Uh, so it was great. So I was confident and, and feeling pretty, yeah. um, pretty pleased with myself. And, you know, and then a few things started happening. You know, there was a dot com bubble burst in Germany. Yeah. Uh, sorry, there was a, the German economy tanked in the early noughties. Um, there was a dot com bubble burst. Um, the Lewis was being built. And I quickly realized that I just didn't have the business acumen to be kind of move, running this um, this business with so many moving parts. At the same time, I, we had requests to open in the evenings, 
so I thought, okay, well, we'll give this a two-week trial and see how it works. And mm-hmm. within the first week of us doing this evening's trial, uh, we had three starters, three main courses, three desserts. Um, we ended up getting a review in one of the national papers. And, you know, the North Side has a restaurant and, you know, um, you know, so it was all of a sudden my little coffee and wine place turned into a restaurant uh, without me even realizing it. So that uh, what you wanted or? I don't know. I was kind of, you know, along for the ride. You know, we it was seemingly successful. You know, we had bums on seats and, you know, we were getting really positive reviews. Um, you know, we started, uh, you know, increasing the offer and, you know, maybe possibly getting better um, in terms of the food and wine we were offering. I had an amazing sommelier working for us and, you know, 50,000 euros worth of wine in the basement. And it was a novel concept. I mean, at the same time, from a business perspective, I didn't really have a handle on things. And then when when things started going sideways in terms of, you know, economies and the Lewis, the disruption from that outside your door and, you know, lots of staff and suppliers and just, just things got a lot more complicated. So within a couple of years, uh, you know, I basically lost about half a million euros. And oh yeah, so, I mean, it, you know, you go from kind of hero to zero uh, pretty quickly. Um, yeah. And that was a fairly big knock to my confidence and to my ego, uh, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, mentally that's, that's pretty damaging. So, um, Caroline stuck with me. Um, you know, I kind of floated around in the wilderness a little bit, went back to waiting tables and doing whatever I could to. I'm sorry, had the business busy. gone at this stage or were you? It had. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, uh, I tried everything, um, Oddly enough, the Michelin guide inspector was in about you know two or three months before we were closing, and I think he could see we were on our knees, and and he was saying, "Just stick it out, stick it out," um, mm-hmm. you know. So you know maybe there was some you know some inclusion somewhere, or I don't know, but you know for us it was the writing was on the wall. You know, I think mm-hmm. we just uh, you know how did that people, feel? Oh, it, it, it was horrendous. You know, there's there's no way to dress up a, a, a failed business. Yeah. Um, certainly when you're in the, the the epicenter of it all, you know, there's people looking for money. You know, you've yeah. got staff who you're letting go. And, uh, you know, you're, even your personal life is it, it totally, totally did not I mean, destroyed, but, but, but compromised in so many ways. And I think, um, I mean, that's... That nugget there is the piece that people are going to resonate with right now as a fellow business owner. And, you know, I've had a, so far a very lucky run. Um, you know, things have gone from one trainer to numerous trainers and corporate clients and business has grown and things have been minded with, you know, the usual ups and downs of business face, but nothing on the trajectory of where, where that went. And now all these emotions are coming up for all of us who own our own businesses and it's around... Uh, you know, failure, first of all, none of us like to accept yep. failure. Um, our ego's probably taking a little check. <laughs> Look, um, there, there is that piece, though, where for me, my I, now at the moment, I know it's very different to what you've gone through, but at the moment for me, I actually got hit pretty early because a lot of my corporate clients pulled out of things and just froze their accounts, which hit me financially straight away. So we had to adapt. Um, and, and my first good instinct was, right, 
we're, we've got to fight here. We've got to put the head down and we have to work. Um, but it's hard to deal for me, and I don't, th- this will come back to you in a second, and maybe you'll be able to give us some advice. And for me, it's hard to, like the battle is, right, how do we pivot and get the business operating, get, you know, keep our trainers working, pay our bills, and, you know, stay on top of our vats, not get thrown yeah. out of our apartment. There's that battle of, of doing all that stuff. There, but then there's also that fear of, am I just, is this a sinking ship and I need to let it go down? Um, you know, thankfully, I think I've gone past that phase where I worried about it being a sinking ship and all of that. But uh, that that battle with fear mentally, when you you know it's the last, maybe not the last thought, but one of the last thoughts that comes into your mind at night, or the one that wakes up in the middle of the night, you've had some exposure to that demon and that fellow and dealt with it and overcame it. Which, um, from a business point of view, is something that is you know that resilience and that fighting. <clears throat> mentalities possibly none of us had to do for a while excuse me <clears throat> because things were going smooth but now the, the people who are prepared to fight and work hard are, are going to survive this i think that's what i'm telling myself and um, yeah. can you relate to that is it a different feeling now versus then have you learned from the experiences of that um, well, I, oh absolutely you know i mean i think when when i when i'd lost the first business i mean it, it there's there's the the very basic human instincts of, you know, fight or flight. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I, I suppose you, like myself, you know, our first instinct now is to fight. Um, mm. And, you know, I think, I, I can't speak for you, but I mean, I would get a sense that you, like me, are, you know, fighting isn't isn't rage. There's a There's a certain amount of strategy to it and you need to think it through and, knee-jerk reactions don't help yeah. you know you need yeah. to plan it you need to be smart if you're going to fight you need to you have know, a, yeah well that, that have a plan the small dog in the fight you can be a small dog in a fight but you need to have a strategy you can't go bulldozing into it absolutely yeah. absolutely probably, that probably has many meanings for the two of us <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i mean it, i mean and, and the fear that that doesn't uh doesn't go i mean i was uh you know, it's, this is this has all happened so quickly, and it's and it's all so uh, so new and so fresh, and and there's no telling whether, you know, the the changes I've made will be enough for us to see the future. I'm you know I'm pretty confident they yeah. will, but but certainly I was thinking about, you know, when we had to to shut the doors of of all the shops and lay off all the staff and, uh, you know, deal with basically a hundred percent loss of revenue. Um, mm-hmm. And try to deal with that. And you know, the first couple of days, you know, it is it's fear, it's it's terror, it's how do I do this? I've got, you know, I've got a mortgage, I've got a family to provide for, I've got staff who, you know, who also were relying on me for their rent and their mortgages, and you know, you know, so there, there's there's that fear that you're not going to be able to come through it. And then, you know, then the fight and the plan comes in, and you you get stuck in. Um, and for me, it was okay. You know, for us, we ended up focusing on online uh, and, and just getting coffee to people. Um, I've been telling people we have one job. It's just you just need to make coffee or get coffee to people. That's what we do every day of the week. So, uh, you know, we have to pivot. You use the word pivot. You know, and and just find some way to get it to them. So, yeah. in my instance, you know, I don't know if the plan was particularly well thought out, but you know, a day of sitting at home and panicking and being scared and feeling sorry for myself, uh, I decided I would just put it out there. If anybody needs coffee in Dublin, 
I'll drive it to their house. You know, if you need beans, yeah. you need me to grind it, I'll drive it to your house. Yeah. So uh, I just put that out on social media. And I think the next morning I had 200 orders <laughs> for, wow. for coffee. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I spent, I spent the, the next few days kind of driving uh, around Dublin, uh, places of I'd never seen before, which was, which was amazing. Um, and, and dropping at people's doors. And it was, it was really, uh, a big boost to my uh, not confidence, I guess, but, but, you know, okay, maybe there's, there's, there's life here. Yeah. So, um, so is there, is there a part of you, because I've spoken about this to Adrian on some level, it's like, I, the emotions I've felt have been fear, worry, uh, you know, can I survive? Will will we be homeless? All of the extremes. Yep. But there's a, there was an emotion or a fear or a sensation that came up amongst all this, which I, I nearly feel bad saying because I'm sure people will compare to me, but I, there's nearly a part of me that's really enjoying rising to this challenge and having an adversity. And enjoy is the wrong word. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's like, I love a good fight and love a good right, I have to step up here, the odds are not stacked in my favour, you know, and it, and I love stress testing my team, I love stress testing my model, um, and, I, and yeah. I'm loving what I'm learning from this, don't get me wrong, I preferred when things ran smoothly, people paid me on time, the business was running, you know, but but do you, do you, do you can you find any good in all of this, or are you oh, just... You John, know? I'm, I'm 100% with you, I mean, and again, they can tar us with the same brush. I think for me, there was the fear, and then there was a learning curve, you know, I had all these orders. I had to like figure out how do we going to get these out, and mm-hmm. I realized I needed to get some help. So I now have somebody driving around the city, delivering coffee. Um, there's that learning curve. Then there's the sense for me anyway, um, and you is you know there's excitement in that. There's there's the thrill of the game. I know it's it's not a game. It's it's serious. Um, and then there's the kind of the sense of of accomplishment or this is working. You know that there's uh, there is life in this. There is, there's something to this that, that we can, we can, we can make something out of nothing here. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, I mean, I'm sure, look, I'm not comparing us to anybody of a war hero era or (laughs) lived through any sort of other, you know, uh, global pandemics, but there is a definite sense of challenge in this that, I'm loving that. And maybe that's making it make, if I'm being honest, this is making me question how hard I was actually working previously. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I'm pretty tired. I must admit. I'm like, you know, 12 o'clock at night and I'm sending out emails up at 7am and, and I, I'm Jane Fonda in our recording studio that we've made yeah. up in our apartment here. Uh, you know, I did a cookery lesson this morning and now I'm onto a podcast with you and it's like, and I'm absolutely loving this. Um, and yeah. You know, and I'm, and maybe the human condition—it's part of the human condition—that if we're not challenged, we're not finding that side to ourselves. And um, and I think, not that I'm not that I'm meaning to lecture anyone, but I feel like globally we all have an opportunity here to learn, grow, uh, find out more about ourselves, perhaps become innovative now and and find a new business in this or a new job for ourselves or find out something about ourselves. There's something really nice about that as well in, in all yeah. of this madness. No, there is. You know, I mean, I've learned a lot in the last few weeks, learned more in the last few weeks than I'd learned in the previous couple of years, you know, and, um, it, you know, they're hard lessons, they're tough lessons. You know, I think certainly when when things do 
get back to a sense of normality, I, I think business will be different. Um, right. And I do think what I've learned now um, will stand to us. Um, you know, it will become part of the new model going forward, you know, however mm-hmm. we, we, we put it together. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's... Uh, Failure is not an option, you know, and I yeah, think we just have to accept that, that things are going to change and we need to adapt. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm good at adapting. Yeah, I'm sure. good at learning. Um, I'm good at fighting. And I think like yourself, you know, there's, there is a, a sense of accomplishment in that, in that, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe it is the thrill of battle. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe and that's it's it. the, I remember someone asking me when I started out in number 17, when I, and, so, you know, just to give anyone listening a little bit of insight, like Carl will tell you, you know, everything about the temperature the water needs to be for coffee, right down to how long it should take to make a coffee, right down to how much it costs to make a cup of coffee, and right, you know, factoring every little, like he's the ultimate tech, technician at much uh, details and analytics, and I, and I'm quite opposite. I'm not as good at that. I'm kind of a case of this feels really good. I'm emotive or whatever way you want to call it driven. So I'm like this look and, you know, we'll connect with people and we'll build a team that believe in the same mission as us. And that's my view of, you know, that's just how I tend to, to, to be driven. Um, and, you know, the thing from all of this, and I, you know, I don't want to be kind of blowing smoke up your ass, but I do believe that your level of dedication to all of these systems and all that stuff, it's, it's made me really sit back and analyze and grow that aspect of my business as well. Um, to sit down and go, okay, how can I analyze this? Where can I look at costs? Where can I look at, you know, like if I think the businesses that that survive through this are going to, uh, like you said, they're going to have a different, fa- a different. So I mean, we're definitely going to be doing a lot more online stuff because our online coaching is absolutely flying again. Thank God. Uh, so we're going to continue with that if there's if there's a market for it and people want it. And um, but also the the whole breakdown of where I've been spending money, what I've been spending it on. And also how much time has we spent, that's going to dramatically change and, and improve. I'm sure you have all of those analytics and numbers and all that sort of stuff tracked and you're now looking at it and realizing probably a lot of the same stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the biggest uh, thing I've learned was putting, putting yourself out there and saying, you know what, we need some help. We need some support. Um, being honest with people. Um, you know, I don't need to hire an agency to say I'm, we're now delivering coffee to your door. You know, I mean, I just get out there and do it. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of real brass tacks. It's, it's basics. It's, it's communicating with people. Um, you know, and, and ultimately what I've discovered is people do want to help and support if they think that, you know, your business is worthy or you're worthy oh, yeah. or, or whatever that may be. Um, yeah, of course. I'm learning right. that, like everything from coaches to clients that the people who are there and now and supporting and reaching out and, you know, telling you, you know what, you're doing okay. I have a client in Hong Kong and he, uh, he checks in on me once a week and we have a great call <laughs> and he's like, this is what's going on and this is what I'm doing. And this is, you know, Hong Kong are a couple of weeks, I think, or months maybe ahead of us. Uh, so he's he's sort of saying, look, stick with it. This is what's coming next, and it's been such a good learning curve about the community of people around me, the coaches, all that sort yeah. of stuff. And again, a, a part of the whole piece, of the whole puzzle that I've 
and enjoy it as such. Carl, can I, I want, in, I know we're, we have a bit of flow here, but I'd love you to give me a two minute piece on what people can actually get through Coffee Angel at the moment, because the concept of ordering coffee is probably probably like the concept of opening a coffee, coffee shop in Belfast 20 years ago. And um, people are probably not thinking that way, but you are basically still delivering. Is that correct? Yeah, we are. I mean, we're not delivering flat whites or, you know, lattes to people where, you know, if, I think a lot of people, they're, the extent of their making coffee at home, you know, was maybe on a Saturday, maybe on a Sunday. And then it was back to the normal of Monday to Friday coming into shops like Coffee Angel uh, and ordering. And, and that's now over. So we find that people are, are now at home. They're, uh, they're kind of working to a new routine. Um, and we need to get them coffee, whether they have a grinder at home or whether they need it ground. Do they have a cafetiere or a, an AeroPress or, or some kind of manual brewer? Um, and I think for us, it's just about making sure that there's tasty coffee, that their lives are not overly complicated. Um, there's enough kind of going around right now. They still need, you know, the things they're familiar with, the routines. They need to get up at the same time. They need to make a cup of coffee at the same time and break for, break for lunch at the same time. Go do their training at the same time. Yes. You know, the, you know, whilst our lives are completely upside down, we do need to build these routines into it. So, you know, for us, we're, we're sending coffee out. We're sending out manual brewers. You know, I mean, I don't. Is a manual think... brewer, again, I absolutely love my coffee, but I'm not as, you know, up to speed with coffee as some people. So a manual brewer, is that like an AeroPress or is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So something that's, you know, there's, there's no real mechanics involved. Sure. Um, an AeroPress cafetiere, you know, these French presses, yeah. you know, there's, for me, there's no, there shouldn't be any elitism in this, you know, if, if that's what you have at home, then you should be able to use it and get something out of it. I mean, I think yeah. if you're expecting, you know, a flat white or a skinny latte, you know, you're probably asking a lot from yourself. Sure. Uh, you know, I think it's just keeping it simple. Um, yeah. People have got a lot going on with their lives. They, they're now adapting to working from home. They've got distractions. They've got, you know, Zoom meetings and you name it. Uh, so uh, for us, it's just about simplifying that little piece of their life. You know, people still want a cup of coffee in the morning. Um, it can still be that little bit of luxury, that little bit yeah. of normal. It's just now it's it's kind of on them to, to make it for themselves. So for me, it's about making sure that's simple and achievable part of their daily routine. And, uh, you know, we'll get them if they need a manual brewer, we can we can sort you out with that. Um, if you need fresh coffee, we will sort you out with that. Uh, can advice. you talk a little bit about about because fresh coffee? I mean, I ordered in bulk. I ordered like five or six bags of coffee a, a number mm -hmm. of years ago, and I was delighted with this coffee. And it, I did notice over time that it started to have a moldy taste I, to an extent that I started scrubbing the cup. I was drinking it out of the <laughs> <laughs> that cup's gone and it finally copped on that coffee just didn't last so um when i speak to you about coffee you 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 talk about aside from the actual making of you know the the, the process with the aeropress etc um how long do you keep a bag of coffee before you're like right that's it now it needs to be exchanged or thrown out or whatever yeah i mean it, it's different for everybody and i mean i think part of it is is what you're looking for from from your your cup. I mean, uh, coffee starts its life out as a fruit, 
you know, it's a cherry and the coffee beans are just the seeds inside that, that cherry. Um, they're, they're processed, whether they're dried or, you know, mechanically or on beds processed and then, you know, sent to roasteries around the world or they end up in places like coffee angel. Um, for, you know, for us in our shops where, you know, we go through a lot of coffee on a daily basis and, and fresh is always better. But I mean, if you're at home, you know, we, we tend to say if you can, if you can use your coffee within four weeks from it being roasted, that's, that's ideal. Um, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, it's kind of like opening a bottle of wine and not finishing it and just leaving it uncorked on the counter for a week. You know, it's, it's not going to kill you. It's just going to, it's going to fade. It's flavors are going to kind of become muted. And, um, you know, so So can you preserve coffee in the fridge? Is that just a room? Is that not true? Well, I mean, there's, there's still, there's still a lot of arguments about that, but I think for, for, for most people, a simple rule of thumb is just oxygen exposure to air is really what, uh, what compromises the freshness of it. So, Keeping it, you know, sealed, you know, in a, in a press, you know, so that it's just not a, no light or no oxygen is is um, getting at it. Okay, is really the simplest solution. I mean, order what you, you know, are going to drink within a certain amount of time. Yeah, some people talk about putting it in the freezer. I wouldn't really be a big fan of that. Yeah, um, but just you know, keep it, keep it, keep it sealed. I mean, nothing is nicer than opening a, a bag of coffee for the first time and the smell that kind of comes That's out smell. of it is. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Four weeks later of opening that same bag, that that smell will be gone because all of the aromatics have kind of disappeared. So really open, use what you need, seal it back up again, keep the, the aromas and the freshness in the bag as long as you can. And do you do like a uh, recurring delivery thing? Sorry, it sounds like I'm pitching to you. It's more, I know there's some brands doing that, that you can have like a monthly or fortnightly delivery. A subscription, yeah. yeah subscription well, we haven't. I mean, this might be something where we look at. We didn't. We didn't foresee a demand, um, but but we're certainly looking at, at everything is on the table now. Like right now, I think people are, I've never sold so many kilos of coffee to people. Right. <laughs> and I think maybe people are uh, maybe not panic buying, but they're, you know, they, they don't have a sense of how long that will last them. You know, a, a kilo is a lot of coffee to have at home. But, you know, if there's two or three of you in the house drinking coffee and you have two or three cups a day, um you know, it, it wouldn't be long disappearing. So I think people just need to figure out the new, the new normal for them in terms of what their consumption is. Yeah. And obviously not to overconsume. And if they're going to have it before workout, that's great, but don't have it after your workout. That's not the right time to drink coffee because you want to wind your body down, not hype your body up. Absolutely. And everyone, you can find all this out on your website anyway, coffeeangel.ie or .com? Both, but .com is usually what, uh, what works best. Oh, okay, super. So that's where people can order and they can do all that. And, and did you put, did I see, uh, I didn't get to watch the whole video, but something on LinkedIn this morning, was that a how to make a cup of coffee with an AeroPress or something? Yeah, well, no, it wasn't even that, uh, that detailed. It was just some very, very general tips on brewing coffee at home. So um, I think, you know, uh, there's so many great videos online if you have an AeroPress or a Clever Dripper or a, or a French press. Um but there are some kind of basic fundamentals that I talked about either on, you know, there's a, there's a video, it's, it's a couple of minutes long and it just talks about temperature of your water and, you know, how much you would stir and how long you brew for. So there's some just general tips of improving your coffee that, that don't cost you anything. Is that correct? Three T's? 
time the three t- the t- time temperature and turbulence absolutely yeah they're just there are three principles that you know we use every day in, in the coffee shop and okay you know so, so people can see that on your linkedin and stuff anyway so linkedin that, facebook yep okay well that moves me on to um to where we are now i know again a conversation we have is around social media and what it draws and we probably were both of the same you know opinion that it, we were yet to see that the translation of social media and how it impacts their business business are you eating your words as much as i am at the moment on that oh absolutely yeah. I, mean, I think it's it's really the only way we can now communicate with yeah. with people um mm-hmm. you know with social distancing in place you know i suppose social media is really the the only channel channels we have mm-hmm. so um, you know it's it saved us certainly um, and provide us opportunities it's helped us uh, you know again we're very a personal training business so communicating and having a personal connection with our clients is huge but definitely it's helped us reach a broader audience and i'll, I'll take it back all is forgiven social media. <laughs> um, you and me both how have you found adapting from you know starting not that you're an og by any means but starting out in business 20 odd years ago and now getting to a level where things have gone so digital and you know this is i've seen a little bit of stuff pop up in your own personal social and on on coffee angel with yourself on it and but in the last week or two you've been all over it as you're driving around delivering obviously hands-free delivering your your insta stories are very very good and do you find putting yourself out there now difficult or i know you mentioned that you found a sense nearly of uh, not it was nearly like a therapy for you, or a, you know, a decompression and a communication. And um, have you a comment on that, any of that stuff? Yeah, I, well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm fifty, so the whole social media thing is uh, not a natural uh, means of communicating for me. So, uh, you know, I find it difficult to sit down and compose a text and understand a text, a, you know, a, a message quickly and efficiently and using filters and whatever else that, you know, makes it eye catching. Um, and I, as I was driving around the city, I just recorded myself thoughts and it's, it's almost like, I think I did mention it. It was like therapy, you know, just putting yeah. it out there. I had no idea, uh, whether it would be successful or whether it would help or hurt the business. Um, but I just kind of wanted to be as honest as I could. And this is what we're doing. This is what I'm facing. And, um, yeah and, and and it's worked and i think that's that's a real lesson certainly sure. to me is you know i think i mentioned it earlier like you, you don't need to get a, an agency involved you you know you just need to be honest with people and you know as much as as we're socially distant at the moment i think that those those connections that that you make with your clients and we make with our customers you know are are just so important and being honest and you know it, it just it 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 just really does make a difference, and and, I, and I've seen it. Um, and I put myself out there. You know, I never wanted it to be about me, and then you know, but at the same time, we're back to the the fight or flight scenario. And you know, if fighting means that I have to be out there talking to people on social media, I, you know, it's it's not my comfort zone. But I you know you. what it's it needs must i will do whatever it takes to make sure that my team have jobs to come back to and that my family is taken care of so yeah. you know yeah well i think the uh i think the social media thing uh, like you said 
the biggest thing that comes across and I, you know, I, I put up a post and I won't put the right hashtags in and it won't have the right filter on and it won't have whatever else going on. And you know what? I, I got to a stage where I started letting it take over and, and I, and I would start thinking about that stuff and I went, you know what? Screw that. I want to put something out there that's authentic. That yeah. if, if it's a, you know, a picture of me saying, look, this is what we're doing and I want to take on new clients, then I'm okay with that because there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but if it's a goofy picture, if it's a bad picture, that's also okay. But I think the biggest thing for me was once I started doing stories on social media where I just talk and, you know, okay, so I, I'm, I'm now known as the guy who has a camera angle too low. So it's, it's you know, flaring up <laughs> the nostrils and uh, yeah. I the camera or I start, you know, or I perhaps curse or whatever else. But yeah. um, you know what? People communicate with me more. They tell me, you know what? I was listening to that and it was really good because it's authentic and real. And I think yeah. that's the filter that's really needed is to filter out the BS and, and show authenticity and realness. And, and it, like hats off to you for, um, you know, putting all of the stuff you put out there over the last while because that's what came through was a guy who genuinely cared about his staff. I know not a number of coffee shops have remained open and that's you know that's their decision and that's fine uh, you didn't want to expose your staff to that and uh, you didn't want to you know you ex, you know you it didn't sit right with you morally to uh, to be bringing the, the public into your shop etc and so you you made a very difficult decision and you changed and moved forward and when when people see that and can you know, see that authenticity i think that's one of the most um well, inspiring but also kind of real things going on at the moment and we need more, now more than ever it's such a surreal time we need realness if that is the right phrase to use here and that's my view on, on social without going too far down that rabbit hole yeah yeah um, i mean I, i'm not sure where it's going to take us um but you're no, right i think no. we made decisions based on 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 people not necessarily on you know the financial repercussions um, mm -hmm. and well, that's a good authentic place to come from yeah so, uh, so that kind of where i wanted to go next you know um is like you said who knows where this is going to go how long this is going to last what the impact is going to be yes we're learning lessons um or are we going to learn lessons you know do you, business is going to be done different but like what are your predictions for how things are going to go from a kind of economic point of view um from a you know running your own business point of view from an are people going to i mean if i go for a walk at the moment down the road people literally walk out to the white line to get away from me yeah and i really actually was driving down the road the other day and a guy with earphones on um, walked right out in front of me to avoid people on the footpath i had to stick the car to the road because he uh, he couldn't yeah. And he walked right out towards the white line just to get around somewhere. I was like, dude, you're going to get ran over. You're not going to get Corona. Yeah. Um, are we, are we going to lack, you know, is, is all our communication going to be done via social media now? And, you know, are we going to just stay in our little cocoons ourselves and get away from human connection? And, uh, you know, what are your, what are your predictions with all of this? Well, I mean, there's, I predicted everything will change. Uh, you know, people's, people's desire to socialize will always be there. I think there'll be a, a, a different, uh, a different dynamic. Uh, you know, will somebody walk into a coffee shop that's packed to the gills and, you know, that may not be acceptable in the future. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, um, what, you know, the next six months or a year will, will present. I think what I do know is that it will be completely different. I think, 
we will need to adapt. We will need to change. We will need to respond uh, to the whatever that normal will be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I think it'll, it'll be tough. There will be repercussions for everyone. Will people working at home like it? You know, will they insist that two days a week or three days a week they want to work from home? You know, because it's actually worked. Um, there hasn't been a, an impact to business. You yeah. know, will offices have less people in them because people are working at home? Um, I, I, I honestly don't don't know what what is going to be in in front of us. I think it's 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 terrifying. Yeah. At the same time, I have so little control over that that I can much probably like yourself, I can respond to changes. I will make uh, educated choices, you know, maybe some not so educated gut instinct. Um, I will adapt. I won't, you know, flight is not my first instinct. I will continue to fight. Um, My job is, is about making people happy. Um, You know, I think however we do that, I don't know. I think we will just have to keep moving forward with that in mind. That well, I think at, your mo- at the moment you're you're taking all those boxes and, and you know and staying true to yourself. It it comes across. So I hope it's I hope it's working out financially the way it needs to. And that you know you, you've mentioned as well how understanding landlords and things like that have been, which you know yeah. to be fair, I'm experiencing the same. Um, I I mean how how long can a landlord be understanding? I suppose is is part of the question. But for now they are. So we just go with it. We do, you know, and we have to be uh, appreciative of the sacrifices that that everybody is having to make, um, yeah. you know. And like I say, I'm I'm grateful to so many people, uh, and you know, all, all we can do is is do our best to repay them in in kind when when we can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's any winners coming out of this. Uh, no, so. the survivors. That's winning. Yeah. Carl, Absolutely. If we were to either go back eight months or hopefully go forward 18 months if you're to if you're to list three traits that you feel are important to be successful from a business point of view could i know i've thrown this at you and yeah what, well, what you put it down to uh i think you need three things well i think you need to be uh adaptive yeah you need to be absolutely unequivocally tenacious um and I think you also need to be honest, yeah. you know, um, just, just honest with yourself, honest with your family, honest with, you know, if you employ people, um, you know, honest with them. If you have uh, suppliers, landlords, creditors, you need to be honest with them. Um, and, you know, like, like we just talked about, you know, everyone is in this together um, and it's, it's going to be tough for everybody. So we all just need to keep talking. We need to keep fighting. Um, we just need to keep moving forward. Keep working together. Stay and, positive. <laughs> yeah. And then the last little piece I wanted to talk to you about, because I know you have you have lots of deliveries and everything else you, you need to keep working on, but this is something that uh, is important for me. Uh, working with your significant other, for, any, mm-hmm. for myself and yourself, my, my soon-to-be beautiful wife and your, your beautiful family, Caroline. Absolutely. Pepper, his name Carl? Melia. Melia. So you guys are very much a team. Uh, you know, I know you guys are. You have Melia and Caroline packing bags. You know, organizing. <laughs> stuff. 
Sorry, that maybe sounds like child labor, but how? No, no, no. The first week it was more for sanity, but I think now with the you know the lockdown basically in place, um, it's really just me now. But yeah, they were a great great support the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, any any tips on surviving? <laughs> yeah. Not, surviving's wrong. On thriving when you're in a, a you know lots of people have said to both of us and Adrian sitting here smiling at me on the couch. Um, you know about working together and it's difficult and when you said about your traits there about being tenacious and being honest and all of those and innovative effectively like i think that's kind of that translates over to your your relationship when you're working together as well and i don't know if you agree or disagree you guys have a bit more experience there than we have yeah well i mean it's you know caroline didn't always work with with coffee angel and and myself um but we learned very quickly that it was very easy to step on each other's toes and uh, dividing up responsibilities and, uh, and accepting that this is their thing and they will uh, handle that, uh, you know, and at the same time offering support, advice, criticism if needed. Yeah. Uh, you know, the problems, unfortunately, you take them home with you sometimes and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody tells me you need to push them aside and not talk mm-hmm. about work and dinner mm-hmm. and that's that's a challenge but you know i think the one good thing you have going for you in in this situation where you know where your significant other is part of the business is you're in it together um your your goals and the trajectory are the same Mm -hmm. so um you know as, as much as there's bad days there's incredibly good days where you know you reap the the successes and you share them equally yeah yeah, no, and it's an exciting journey, I think, and wouldn't have it any other way, especially at the moment, having support, having yep. someone, that, like you said, on that shared mission, or just if, if it's to hold the camera or to you know, record a few videos or to jump in or to tell you that you're doing okay, because... Yeah, shoulder you know, to cry on. A shoulder to, to cry on. There's, <laughs> there's that fear that keeps rearing its ugly head, and there's all these yep. other things that, that pop up. Um, but, you know, it's... it's definitely going to be all worth it now once we get through this next few weeks or months or whatever lies ahead um, and come out the other side so look at carl i'm not going to keep you any longer i really really appreciate uh your time here on a saturday uh, eating into your lunch break no doubt um we may get a chance again to talk hopefully there won't be a, a global pandemic and we can talk about some other things coffee related but people can find you on coffeeangel.com Coffee Angel on Instagram, Carl Purdy. Yeah, Coffee Angel on on all social platforms at the moment: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, you can find me at the same time on LinkedIn, Carl Purdy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think we'll all come through this. We'll we'll be battered, we'll be bruised, but we'll, we'll uh, you know, people. Yeah, but I mean, people like you, people like me, we. You know, we we fight for for what's important. I think, and you know, we try to put people at the center of, of that. Um, you know, and the, I'm I'm optimistic. You know, I'm I'm positive, and there's no other there's no other choice. Exactly. You know, there's there's no exit strategy. It's survival. Someone asked me yeah. what my exit strategy is. It's like, no, there's none. We're we're going to do this. It's going <laughs> to be okay. Okay. Well, listen, yeah. Carl. Thank you so much for your time um, and Pleasure. and hopefully be seeing you in smashing. What was your last deadlift? Was it 160 or 180? 
No, one ninety something. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, that's over triple body weight anyway. Yeah, well, we're getting there. We're getting there. I look forward to getting back into the gym, and I wish you every success. You guys deserve it. Listen, um, thanks, Carl. Get and, uh, stay healthy and stay well, and um, hopefully people will keep supporting you and keep supporting us, and we'll all see the other side of this. Absolutely. Thank stay you safe. Thank you for your time. Stay safe, Carl. Take care. See you Thank guys. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.